We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good afternoon, Irish fans, and welcome to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I'm Vince D'Addario. I'm the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is Brian Driscoll. He is the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And we are going to continue our off-season previews of, uh, of, of the various positions, and we're back to defense. And today, Brian, we are going to talk linebackers, and this is the first position breakdown that we will do uh, about a group that does not have a coach yeah. uh, yet. <laughs> and yeah. and we are still waiting for that to, to, uh, to matriculate. And that it appears as though that will probably be the next defensive coordinator. We don't know who that is either, obviously, but you did have a little bit of Intel on that on the board uh, earlier. Yeah. So obviously, we don't know who the linebackers coach is going to be. We don't know if it's going to be Brian Mason. We don't know if it's going to be Chris O'Leary. We don't know if it's going to be Point. the new defensive coordinator. We don't know if Marcus Freeman's going to coach that position. You know, there's, I mean, because Nick Saban coached corners for a long yeah. time at Alabama. Yeah. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't think Marcus Fre Coach Freeman has decided definitively how this is going to go, which is why he's not in any kind of rush to make this decision, which is a benefit of the fact that there's, the early signing period. Notre Dame's right. class is done on defense. There's no rush to get a decision made so that guys, you know, signing in a couple weeks in February as part of the regular signing period, you know, know who their coach is going to be. And at the end of the day, whoever the linebacker coach is, there's a dude right down the hall in the head <laughs> coaching office who's going to be able to, you know, provide assistance and, and all those type of things. So uh, the intel we have today, and it's on the message board, I'm not going to get into names, but, I, you know, because that's, that's, That's what the premium message board is That's for. Right. And you can see the link to it down below, boards at irishbreakdown.com. But there's been a lot of names thrown out for the D coordinator search. I'm pretty confident that it's down to four based on the people I talked to today. So I list the four candidates and, you know, just a little bit of a background on them. And then I'm going right. to do profiles of each candidate over the next few days because I do not see this one uh, being wrapped up soon you've got time it could, to do a profile right. on each one it yeah. could right? right it could i i think it's a situation where 
when Coach Freeman's like, that's my guy, he's going to make a decision. Mm-hmm. But I think there's some guys that they've talked to that they'd like to get in for more formal sit downs. And, and look, you got to understand, this is his baby, meaning it, if I'm a head coach, right? The quarterback and receiver positions are going to have to really impress me because those are the ones I'm going to have the highest standard for because those are my positions. Sure. Right. Marcus Freeman was the DC and the linebacker coach. So if you're going to hire someone like this is the one you're going to be the most picky about. And, and so I think, I think that's kind of something that, you know, we're, we're, we're going to look at. And, and I've actually advocated and I've made this, you know, made this comment to some people at Notre Dame. Like I'd like to see Marcus Freeman be the D coordinator. And, and we see this Keegan McLaughlin, Marcus Freeman for DC and Nick L for linebacker coach. Why overcomplicate this? It's not about overcomplicating it. It's Marcus Freeman wants to be the head coach. Right. He, he yeah. wants someone else to be the defensive coordinator. Now, I, f- I wholeheartedly believe um, that he is going to have his hand in the defense, but he wants to hire someone that can oversee the day-to-day and call the plays and do all those type of things. I think he wants to be the head coach. Right. I think also the more he has to run the defense – the less time there is for him to recruit the entire board. And I think that's one of the areas where he wants to really take a big focus. And so as long as that there's a candidate out there that he trusts to do the job, he's he wants to hire an actual defensive coordinator. It's just that his standard is really high because sure. of that's the – you're replacing him. Right. And right? There's, and there's caveats too for whoever the defensive coordinator is going to be as far as scheme and – you know, guy, you know, coaching. He wants the defense to be things. a certain way. Right. Exactly. Now, doesn't mean you have to call plays exactly like I did, sure. or, you know, but it's more of a, hey, we're not. And this is why Derek Mason fizzled as a candidate. Right. Because Derek Mason was a guy that a lot of people were throwing out there early. And Vince, you and I talked about that. And, you know, I was very skeptical of that one from right. the minute I heard it, because I don't see Marcus Freeman going out and getting a, a two gapping three, four defensive coach, which is right. what Derek Mason is. Right. Derek Mason's an excellent defensive mind. He just doesn't fit at Notre Dame, which is why he fizzled as a candidate. And you have, you haven't heard me hardly mention his name at all. As other people were mentioning his name. There were some other guys that kind of were on the list that other people had talked about. And I'm like, yeah, that guy doesn't really fit right into what Marcus Freeman is doing. I think some of the, I think the coaches that he's narrowed it down to, more fit what he's trying to do philosophically more so than like alignment wise, but philosophically. Right. And then of course, you know, you've got to be on board for the staff that I've put in place from a Marcus Freeman standpoint. And so the people that are going to be the coach, the, the defensive coordinator is going to, going to accept that. And, and they're, you know, as, as we learned with John Haycock, some guys that Marcus Freeman liked weren't willing to accept that. And that's fine. Move on from them because right. he's not going to overhaul his staff. And I think, Whoever steps into that position is getting a pretty darn staff, in my opinion. I agree. With Al Washington, Mike Mickens, uh, and and Chris O'Leary, plus special teams coach Brian Mason, who we haven't talked a lot about. Right, because we coach, don't know what his potential Well, we know what be. he's going to do as a special teams coach, right, but, right. but we haven't spent a lot of time on special teams. But the interesting thing about him is he coached basically the rover position. I think mm-hmm. they called him like uh, – like um, something like shooters or something like that. Like I forget what the name of the position was, but he coached basically the Rovers right in the Cincinnati defense. So he's a guy that can help out sure. with that as I, well. I, 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 not to go off on too much of a tangent, but I like 
that option, to be honest with you. I Which like having him coach the yeah, Rovers. I, agree. I From a because I I never really liked the fact it's about that, maximizing your staff, and that's exactly right. I never really liked the fact that Brian Polian was only the special teams coordinator, and he would come in do his thing for five seconds and then then go away. You know what I mean? Like I did. Mm-hmm. It just didn't feel like he was being maximized as a coach. And mm-hmm. regardless of what we think of him as a coach, it was more of a I felt like he could be and should be doing more. And I right. like. Well, that that's a I don't think he could. Well, I think he should be doing more. I don't think he could. Okay. He's never been anything but a special teams coach. That's true. That's always been his thing. That, that's absolutely accurate. But and, I, I think that takes – it's a twofold thing. Number one, it's good for the special teams coach to be doing something extra. And number two, it takes a little bit off the plate of the potential defensive coordinator slash linebackers coach. It's one less thing for him to worry about from a position standpoint, right? And I think it adds more to the overall defensive coaching staff. I mean, Agreed. if you look at the makeup of, of Brian Kelly's staff, for example, you had a special teams coach, you had four defensive coaches, and you had five offensive coaches. Right. And then Kelly being working mostly an offensive guy, you really had six, six offensive coaches. Right. So you had six, four, and one. Whereas with Marcus Freeman, you're kind of going to have five, five, and one if Brian Mason works with the linebackers in some capacity. Right. And the so, very worst to be and, six and five. five, six, and one because Freeman will be more involved with the defense than right. he is going to exactly. be from the offense. So, exactly, I like that. I mean, you're not losing anything from the offense, right? You're adding more to the defense, which is what I like. Now, again, that's we're not saying that's what's going right. to happen, we don't know, but that's what I'm hoping happens, exactly. and, and that affects the linebacker position, which is what we've talked about. And so, right. the interesting thing is of the th- of the four candidates that, that I'm confident it's kind of down to the finalists for the d coordinator job one of them's never coached linebackers that's right which is interesting and some people say well you know it's clearly not going to be him but you know vince you and i you you know this if you can coach safeties and corners and d line you can coach linebackers i mean as i've explained i played quarterback my whole life i played receiver for one year in college as a freshman and my first year of coaching, I was a running backs coach, coached an All-American. We had the best season in school history, went to the national playoffs. He was an All-American, set a bunch of team records, right? Next year, I go coach receivers. I played receiver for six games in college. That's that's basically it. And three games in high school, that's it. I was a quarterback, coached three. My all three of my starters were all conference. We won a national championship. We you know we passed for a ton of yards, blah, 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 right? If you know the game, you know the game. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Coaches in their 30s and 40s at the D1 level probably know more about the game than I did at 23 and 24. Sure, you right. get my point? Yeah. Like, if you can coach safeties, you know, like Mike Elko has always been a safeties coach, right? You don't think Mike Elko could easily go coach linebackers right. tomorrow? Of course he could. So I wouldn't get too hung up on which of the – when I start releasing the candidates, well, that guy's never coached linebackers. Trust me, he's going to be fine. Plus, as I said before, there's a dude down the hall – in the head coach's office, who can certainly help you exactly adapt to coaching linebackers. Yeah. So that, that won't be a problem at all. He's going to pick the best candidate for that defensive coordinator position and go with that. So that obviously is going to affect the linebacker group because yeah. right now that group, they, they I mean, have no- their, their position coach right now is Marcus Freeman. Correct. I Absolutely. mean, right now, until he hires somebody, he's going to be working with, with right. that. And so they're in good hands, but yeah, they're fine. They're fine. <laughs> and we're not in a position yet. And this is the reason Marcus Freeman, there's no reason for Marcus Freeman to rush this hire. Exactly. The reason these hires used to have to get rushed in the past is because you had the February signing day. 
and you had to get your staff in order before the February sure. signing day. Well, Notre Dame signed their whole defensive class. They're not recruiting any more d- defensive players. There, there's a defensive player that they just kind of talked to yesterday that's got an offer, but it's a preferred walk-on spot as a linebacker in the 2022 class. So okay. it's not a it's not a scholarship situation. And that's just kind of where they are. So the linebacker position will be fine. They don't start fall camp till, I mean, excuse me, spring camp until March. As long as you've got a guy in place by the middle of February, you're fine. There's no need to rush this one. Yeah, in my no, opinion. absolutely agree. And I and I, I like the fact that he's taking his time and doing his due diligence. And I don't think I'm giving too much away as one of the four candidates is also a current NFL coach. And sure. so his team's playing. I mean, right. which, which, which wouldn't, I mean, like it's part of it, somebody I mean, on I, the message board made this point, like Brian Kelly hired Matt house as his defensive coordinator. He's still the chiefs linebackers coach. True. He hasn't left. I mean, I, I it's, it's not just that, like a lot of people are like, well, it's going to be the NFL guy because his team's oh, still playing yeah, no. and why, no, yeah. not necessarily. And right. I'm, I'm just telling you, that's not yeah. why this is taking time because Can there's they, nothing keeping an NFL coach from accepting can they job interview and then can yeah they interview okay yeah because they what, what they do is is like there's a window before the playoff starts where your team where you can interview like the Packers OC and quarterbacks coach have both interviewed for the Broncos head coaching job gotcha so yeah, there's windows where you can do that they allow you to do that and as I said the you know Brian Kelly hired uh the Chiefs linebackers coach to be his new defensive coordinator he named him weeks ago and the Chiefs are obviously still in the playoffs. Obviously, yeah, right. So I, I know people want to try to, you know, connect the dots. I, I, I can say with 100% certainty, 99.9% certainty, that Marcus Freeman has not made a decision. And barring him just waking up one of these next few days and just being like, you know what, that's my guy. He is doing his due diligence, and and I'm not surprised that this is the job that's taking the longest to fill. Yeah, absolutely. Because again, you got to think about who's doing the hiring. It's the guy you're replacing me. The standard is high. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm glad that it is. You know, I I have no problem with that whatsoever. I I like the fact he's taking some time to do this Mm -hmm. because he has it. Use it. You know, and it's not like you're coaching up your guys right now. There's really nothing that you can do on Mm -hmm. the field. I mean, there's you can send video and you can do some things like that, but. There, there's no point in rushing it right you know right and, and it, it's it's um it's kind of interesting that that you know there's been a lot of this discussion like joe Rebe said as a fan i'd rather have a four down defense it seems like those type of defenses have a better chance of stopping teams like bama georgia ohio state and clemson it is kind of interesting that the team that won the national championship just now is a three down defense and alabama technically is a three down defense so it's with anything I don't care what style of defense you run, just run the style that you believe in as a coach that you can coach. Uh, I'm personally a four down guy, but I just think sometimes we overemphasize three down versus four down. There are both of those emphases in the finalists that are all, that I put on the board. So you're going to want to check that out. If you're not a member of the message board, you're going to definitely want, definitely going to want to check that out. In regards to, uh, you know, like I said, we we've named, the four guys that we believe based on, on, on the Intel that I got today. And it's, it's pretty good Intel. Uh, it's pretty, yeah, it's, I'm pretty confident in it that I enjoyed this, it. this is the four that they're zeroing in on. And yeah. so the, the DC will come from this group of four. So you're going to want to check that out, but this is a linebacker show. <laughs> yes, so we've set the stage for what 
the biggest question mark is about linebacker, which is the position coach. Yep. But Vince, there obviously are a lot of other questions, and that's what we're going to kind of dive into. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, and I think the biggest question is, okay, you've got one one guy uh, leaving, right? The linebacking core and Drew White, he's he's leaving to go to the next. Well, of the starters, of yes. the That's what I that's what I was referring to. Yep, he's leaving to move on to whatever's next for him. And so you've got all this what we think is is great talent on the depth chart at linebacker. You had a major injury going into the preseason of what was a potential was a, a starter, mm. right? Two potential starters. Um, Shane yep. Simon also got hurt. That's a good point. And Shane Simon obviously has has moved on as well. It's a pit. And then it's Isaiah Pryat Rover also is gone. Yes. And Paul Mawala also got injured. He was going to be a part of the rotation. He's transferring. He's transferring because he wasn't invited. He wasn't offered a fifth year. Gotcha. And Isaiah Pryor was not offered a sixth year. My gotcha. understanding is. Gotcha. So you lost four guys from the roster, but because of all the injuries you mentioned last year, Vince, a lot of other guys got opportunities. Absolutely. And so now you're looking at, you've got the guys coming back that were starters. The guys that were injured are coming back as well. Or one of the guys that is injured was injured is coming back and the depth. And so you've got what the present is at the linebacker position. And then you've got what the potential for the future at the linebacker position Mm -hmm. Could be there's right because there's four really talented yeah. guys that just showed up on campus and that's the intriguing thing too and we'll get to the freshmen at, you know at the end of the show but the the linebacking core is getting a huge influx of talent compared yeah. to where it was last year no question because it's not just the four freshmen but I kind of count Maris Lewifow as one of those guys he, he didn't he play so early in fall camp he didn't play it down you, right you're adding five really talented players into this mix. And then, you know, we'll get into, you know, Prince Kali. There's a lot of potential here. Somebody somebody had made a comment, and, and I want to pull this up, Vince, because it's really appropriate to say. It's from Alice. Alan English said this. 
He said, hey, all, it's safe to say that this position group has the greatest distance between its floor and ceiling for 2022 on the defense. I like that. I think that's spot on because there's so many question marks that I think the floor is pretty low at linebacker. We don't know if Maris Louisville can stay healthy. We don't know if, you know, so, yeah. certain guys can play. We don't know what kind of jump Prince Kai is going to make. Can the freshman help? Can Bo Bauer overcome the things that have kept him from getting into the starting lineup? You know, can J.D. Bur- I mean, there's so many question marks. Sure. Who's the flipping position coach going to be? <laughs> and that's The huge. floor is pretty low. Yeah. And unlike cornerback, there's not that proven commodity that you can at least rely on that guy to be a standout like you can with Cam Hart. So even though the other cornerback position is a question mark, you've got one solidified. It's safety. You've got the transfer coming in from Northwestern that you know is at least going to be a good player. There's a level of confidence in Ramon Henderson, right? So there's there's at least you kind of know what the floor is, and the floor at safety is going to at least be solid. It's going to at least be good, I think. Linebacker could end up being the biggest weakness on the team. Could be. It could also end up being a strength of the defense. Absolutely. I mean, and to, so to Alan's point, that's what makes this such a question mark in my view, Vince, is because there is such a huge gap in what we know and what it could be to what the, I mean, like, you know, meaning like if these questions don't get answered in the affirmative, this is going to look bad. And then compare it to what it could be if, you know, boxes start getting checked. You know, Maris gets back to full health and looks like the guy he was. Because, you know, we interviewed Coach Freeman last year, and I'll share this now, you know, because the season's over with and some guys have left. But, you know, we talked for just briefly right afterwards just about the linebackers and who was looking good and all that. And this was before Maris, right before Maris got hurt. And uh, and he was like, look, the guy with the most talent and upside on our in our in my room is Marist. Like he's got more talent than anybody we have at the position. Right. right. And then a few weeks later is when he got hurt. So he I mean, and look, we, we didn't get to see a ton of fall camp, but he I mean, he, he was by far the star defensively. I mean, I, again, outside of, you know, Kyle Hamilton, but he was limited, I believe, in fall camp. He didn't do. Kyle was, yeah. Yeah, he was coming off the ankle injury. Right. So, I mean, Maris, I mean, anybody that watched those practices and walked away was like, okay, number eight's pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that was, that was obvious. Um, And it was very disappointing when he got hurt with a season ending, with a season ending injury. Right. Because I think he could have been special. Well, and, and, you know, again, that's a lot. That's kind of where we get into what Alan was saying earlier, Vince, which is, we think he would have been special. Sure. You haven't yeah. seen him do it. And that's kind of where we where we get into the situation of we've got to find out what they what they will be because there's this wide gap. And so that's what's really interesting about it. And I think that's an easy transition into talking to specific about marriage because that was kind of the first specific player you and I were going to talk about. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that limited this defense last year, and JD Bertrand did some really nice things at times last year. I mean, early in the season. He was the big storyline, sure. you know, because he went from being third string to being second string. He had beat out Shane Simon before Shane Simon got hurt. And then, of course, when Maris goes down, he steps into the lineup, makes a bunch of tackles early, you know, really good against the run. And this is why you always say, like, we need to see how players do when teams get some film on them. Sure. Because what people started to do to JD was they started taking advantage of his aggressiveness, right? Because he tends to be a little too aggressive. 
and they started taking advantage of his lack of length. Well, that's not really a that last part's not a problem with Maris because he's Maris is going to be your fastest inside linebacker. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, he's your fastest guy. He's also probably your best cover linebacker. And he's really rangy. So some of the things that that hurt you when when you look at at, at breaking down a guy like JD Bertrand, that lack of length that we talked about a couple weeks ago, that's not really an issue with Marist. You get far more range of the position, potentially. You have a guy that that can close on the ball a lot more effectively. That's going to be much better. Six three with really long arms is going to be a much better weapon up the seam against tight ends than a six foot guy with kind of short arms. And that's exactly where Notre Dame was. So Mayor's coming back healthy and getting to his full potential is to me the biggest key for this defense. You could say for the, I don't know if I'd say for the whole defense, but it's in the conversation for it. I mean, we could talk about big end and nose tackle in the second corner. Those are all important. So I don't want to get like hyperbolic and say, this is the most important. It's certainly the most important thing for the linebacking core. It's in the conversation for the most important need on defense for, for, for sure. And if Maris can be the guy we think he can be, yeah, but he hasn't proven right. he can be yet, then you get a big jump at the will linebacker position. And that's a very, very important, productive position in Marcus Freeman's defense. And I mean, we saw it last year, Vince. I mean, last year when we when you look at the the I, I believe JD Bertrand led Notre Dame in tackles last year, right? So I mean, that's clearly, yeah, 101. The next closest person at 55. I mean, so that's wow. a lot of tackles. Wow. J.D. Bertrand had more solo tackles than anyone else on the roster had total tackles. The Will linebacker is in a position of prominence in this defense. Right. And and they need someone that can be a little bit more consistent. And Maris can be that. And I honestly feel like if Maris can step up and seize hold of the Will linebacker position, Practically speaking, he adds more coverage ability, which then means you don't necessarily feel the need to have to play your Viper in coverage as much. I think that's, that's part point. of the reason that that's they really dropped their point. Viper into coverage as much last year is because you didn't have good coverage. And this is the thing you and I talked about before the season. One of the concerns we had about the linebackers coming into the season was that they were short. Like when Maris went down, they're short and lacked length. How would that impact them in the pass game? And so – you, you, you have to get that 6'5", rangy guy a little bit into the mix and coverage because you don't necessarily love your coverage ability with your two inside linebackers, J.D. Bertrand and Drew White. If you can insert then a six foot three, long-armed, rangy, athletic kid like Maris Lufau, who started his high school career playing cornerback before he hit a growth spurt, now you've got a rangier, more coverage potential guy, a guy that can blitz, I think more effectively. And and now you don't necessarily need that boundary coverage presence as much from the Viper. That's my hope. Practically speaking, that makes sense. Now that doesn't mean that's how it'll how it'll end up playing out, but like to me, the better you have the better you are at, in coverage at will, the less because the will the reason I'm saying, the will and the viper are always on the same side in the right. base, base defense. Right. They're the boundary right. guys. And so I don't know if you want your Viper and your Will both dropping into coverage a ton. 
you know, and if you have there'll a be ranging, time, there'll be time schematically sure. where that works, and you you're or you drop your off. viper and you and you tr- and you and insert, you insert your, your, yeah. your will on a blitz, right? You know, you may slant your D tackle outside, bring your will inside, and then drop your viper into coverage. You know, trying to get up underneath the, uh, you know, just a curl flat guy kind of thing. Take away a hitch, take away a stop route as best you can. So there's certainly some things you'll do, but you don't need to do it. Hopefully, as much as they did it last year, that's going to be the key. So I think. Mayor stepping up and seizing hold of that position is important. And then we'll get into the depth. But here's the thing. If he comes out in the spring and is like, I got this, right? Like, this is my position. I think that then gives, plus the emergence of Prince Kali. You've got some talented freshmen that are going to be, I mean, Jalen sure. Sneed can play Will. Jo- uh, Josh Burnham can play Will. I even think Nolan Ziegler could play Will, although I don't think in 2022 he'll be there because he's coming in at like 205. He would need some time. But I think Jalen Seed and Josh Burnham and Prince Collie, between the three of those, you, you're going to have depth at Will to the point where now you can move J.D. Bertrand to Mike yeah, and let he, him battle Bo Bauer at Mike, which I think yeah. is a which is a better fit for J.D.'s skill set and, and gives you a nice two – because I don't think Bo Bauer – and is is a guy that I necessarily feel has shown me enough from a consistency standpoint and execution of your assignment standpoint for me to say, yeah, it's Bo's turn, no question about it. Yeah. So one of the question topics we're going to discuss, Vince, as we transition to that is who plays the mic. But I think what happens with Marist needs to be kind of figured out first. Is he healthy? Is he locked in mentally? Is sure. the assignment correct? Is he back to being the guy that he was? Because if he's not, I think you got to leave JD there, at least in the spring. If Marist is healthy and ready to go, and he's 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 full he's full go in the spring, and mentally locked in and all that, then I think you can move Marist. I think you can move JD to the mic, and let him battle there with Bo Bauer and Junior Tuialamaka. Yep, which are the three guys that I think there. So. That's why Maris is down. so right, <laughs> but that's why Maris is so important, Vince. Because, uh, and you'll find this with a lot of things in, in positions like this. It's not just the impact of that one position. A lot of times, this you know, like we could say, like if two or three guys emerge a corner, they don't their emergence doesn't just impact the one corner spot. It could also impact safety because you can move Clarence Lewis. I mean, we always have those types of conversations. And so that's why, to me, Maris stepping up doesn't just help them in regards to, hey, you're now more athletic or ranger at will, but I think it impacts your – I think it makes your mic position better. I think for two reasons. One is you can move JD there, and two, you now have a a ranger athlete there at will to kind of help protect the mic a little bit, so maybe you can be more a little bit more aggressive with your mic doing some pressures because you can protect them at the safety level and with your will. Yeah. So I think all those things are why Maris Luafau emerging this offseason is a really important thing for this defense. And if he doesn't, it's a it's a it's a problem. If he does, I think the defense gets a huge injection in multiple places. Like because like I said, I think it impact infects the Viper, how you use the Viper, and it impacts who's going to be battling at Mike. And those are two very, very important things. So that's why I think using getting Maris back healthy is a very I- important piece to this Notre Dame defense heading into 2022. And I hopefully he's healthy enough for the spring. That's the key. He absolutely I think he needs those spring reps to get 
back into the football shape. And that way when summer and fall camp comes, he's good to go and, and he's ready to rock and roll. I mean, he you're, you're literally bringing, in my opinion, I think you're bringing in the most all around, the best linebacker potentially that was injured all season. And now he gets a chance, hopefully, to play. And that I mean, that's a huge injection. And then, there, like you said, there's the domino effect that if he's going to be the starter, what does that do for everybody else? And I think J.D. made a case last season that he needs to be on the field. I mean, you can't double up the next closest guy in tackles by accident. He played you know poorly I mean? in the last game, and that's what – Agreed. That's the, that's what he – that's the – I mean, how you finish is kind of the, the – that's the vibe you leave people in the offseason. Sure. But, again, we can't dismiss the fact that in his first year as a starter, he had 101 tackles and seven tackles for loss. Yeah. Led right. the team in one, was second on the team in the other. You can't dismiss that. There were some very good moments for J.D. Yes. He made some first-year starter mistakes. But also, I don't think in this defense he's a natural will. I think that lack of length hurts you more at will than it does Mike. Like Drew White rarely got in trouble because of his lack of length. At times, he would get engulfed by blockers because he just wasn't a real big guy. That's going to be an issue for J.D. at times. But I think J.D. has more natural power than Drew does. I think he's stronger than Drew was. At least his hands are stronger. And so I think he I think you kind of have that same issue at two spots. If you move JD to Mike, you really only have it in one spot. And then you've got a little bit more of a rotation because JD's not going to be on the field necessarily. Even if he wins the Mike job, he won't be on the field quite as much as he was last year because last year JD didn't really have anybody to rotate in with him. I mean, there there really was no number two will. Agreed. Agreed. And 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 now you move into Mike, and I think that you know, there will be a rotation with him and Bo Bauer. Is, you can is, you could is, potentially yeah. keep Bo in the same, you know, role that he's been the last right. two years. Right. Because Bo's gonna play. It's of just course. is he wouldn't have been asked back. He wouldn't have been asked back if he if he wasn't gonna play. So I mean, it, it's understood that Bo's gonna play, but I also right. don't think that he was promised the starting position either. I mean, he definitely I, wasn't that. I mean, yeah, he, right. he understands that. But like right. last year, J.D. Bertram played 242 more snaps than Drew White, according to Pro Football Focus. I think if you can get in, in so Drew White played 511, Bo Bauer played 354. And then some of Drew, some of Bo's snaps were on on third down in the nickel. Right. 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 So that, does that count special teams, too? Or is no, that it's just, just defense? Okay, gotcha. And so you 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 kind of take some of Bo may get more snaps of Mike, JD's gonna get less snaps, but I think that makes JD better. So as we look at the Mike position, less where the, the smaller you are at a at a at a power position, the more volume wears you down. Right? Well, JD's not a big guy. If you can take hundred to 150 snaps off his off his body of work, I think that's gonna make him even better because he's not going to wear down. I think he can play a little bit more disciplined in my opinion at Mike sure. than he will because you've condensed the the area he has to cover. The will has to cover more ground than the Mike does. Which I think helps JD, you know, be more of a downhill guy. Sure. And then now you just got to work on cleaning up some of the tackling issues he had, right? But I mean JD's tackles, missed tackles a lot of times like in the backfield. If he was a be- if he would get better tackling, he's going to have 110 plus tackles. He's going to have 10 tackles for loss. And we're talking about, holy moly, this kid's got a chance to be a really, really good football player. Yeah, absolutely. 
So he's got to clean that up, though. No question. And, and those are the things that people part. are going to remember, though. That you know, right. they a lot of times people aren't remembering the hundred plus tackles; they're remembering right. the missed tackles. Right. And I get it. And the struggles in coverage sure. against and I, Cincinnati and, and North Carolina. I understand it. I mean that that's what people remember. You know, people don't remember Cam Hart being a really good corner because he wasn't tested and he wasn't beat. You know what I mean? So yeah. some people do, right? But I get your point. But you you see what I'm saying. And I think that's a lot of what has to do with JD. I think he was super consistent for a really long time, but there were times that he struggled. And the, some of the those more times teams got film on him, the more they could take advantage of and, him. And a lot of those times it was in the right. open field where all eyes were on him. Right. And, or like and, in the backfield as right. well. That's what I'm field. saying. And yeah. I think as a Mike, you can protect him a little bit more in those areas. And so that's why I look at it. So I mean, I, I look at it like, boy, a combination of Drew, ba- of, of Drew, excuse me. J.D. Bertrand and Bo Bauer, to me, all both of your older, is a bigger, more athletic duo than what you just had. Agreed. And I think a more productive duo than what you just had. Because you had to protect – you couldn't play Drew a ton because he is a smaller guy, and I think he, you know, he's a guy that had a lot of injuries earlier in his career. I think Drew White had a really nice career at Notre Dame. Really nice career. And – and Drew was a solid player on some pretty good defense. Absolutely. It's just when you got into the Bamas, when you got into the Cincinnati's, when you got into the Clemson's at times, like Drew just that that was just a step above where he was, in sure. my opinion. But even then, he's I mean, you know, he tipped that ball against Clemson last year early in the a- ACC title game that, you know, lets Kyle Hamilton pick it off. But then there were some issues where he kind of got caught up in the trash on some of those long runs. And and that would be like my that. that would be my biggest gripe about right. Drew is that he would get caught up in the wash a lot because he was so short. His arms are so short he can't, that he yeah. just couldn't block destruct against at times the way you need him to. I mean, there were times against Bama where you know he got to where he needed to get to. It's like I remember the long run by by Najee Harris in the in the Rose Bowl last year. I mean, Drew. I mean, it's called perfectly. The D line gets great push. Have to bounce the run. Drew's scraping. He knows where to go, but he hits that 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 lineman, and he just couldn't. That guy was so long, he just kind of got on Drew's body, and Drew couldn't get him off. Right. And and Najee bounces outside. A, a faster linebacker beats that lineman to the spot. A longer linebacker gets off that block, and it's at best a three to four yard gain. Right. Instead, it's a forty yard gain. So those are the areas where I think you know you want to see some improvement being made. And I think getting a, you know, I, I don't think Notre Dame lacked athleticism last year, but I think the combination of athleticism and length issue, like the length, like Drew White's a good athlete. It's not an elite athlete by any stretch, but you can't be a good athlete and short. Sure. If you're going to be short, you got to be an elite athlete. Right. And and I don't think that wasn't Drew, who did a lot of good things in Notre Dame. I mean, Drew did a lot of good things in Notre Dame. Captain, great kid, overcome a ton of adversity overcame a ton of adversity during his career, did some really nice things at Notre Dame. But it just, you know, look, this is about competing for championships, right? And to me, that's where you've just got to get a little bit better there. I don't know if Drew Bauer, Bauer, Bo Bauer and J.D. Bertrand are that duo, but I think it gets them closer. Right, right. I think think that might be the duo for this year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think right. moving forward, as some of these guys get a little bit more experience and things, maybe you find some guys that have more of that length, have more of that athleticism. I, and I totally get that. But I think for 22, 
as I sit here today on January 20th, my, in my head, I'm thinking your best bet at Mike this year is both what we know and, and JD of what we know in That's the back of your right. mind. You're saying, man, I hope junior can beat these guys because out. Or, he, man, I hope Burnham can beat right. these guys out because right. Right. those are the guys with the really high ceilings. I mean, look, Junior is going to be bigger than Bo Bauer or J.D. Bertrand the second he steps foot on campus, which was last week. Crazy. crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Josh Burnham, by the time his freshman year arrives, is probably going to be way more than Bo Bauer. Yeah. And he – I mean, you know the phrase – you know you know the phrase I'm going to use for him. Guy's a flipping pterodactyl. I mean, yeah. I, I even a guy from Georgia that I know covers Georgia who tends to always – underrate Notre Dame. He just thinks any kid that's not from the South or isn't going to the SEC sucks. Of that's just how this guy is. Good guy. But he, first thing he's like, dude, this Burnham kid is a freak, right? Like, I'm like, okay, <laughs> wow. Like coming from you, that, that says something because like, and he has no problem telling me that Notre Dame sucks. And I mean, you know, he's not some guy that's like trying to tell me something to make me happy. He has no problem telling me that everyone at Notre Dame sucks and, you know, so for him to be like, dude, this Burnham guy is a freak. I mean, that, you know, lengthwise, athletically, like he's that first guy off the bus guy. You know, that's what we've been telling people. Like, th this right. kid's different. Well, they don't really have that. You know what I mean? And so that's in the back of your mind. You don't think Josh is going to be ready mechanically. Right. I don't know if Junior's going to be ready, but you're hoping they are because that's the future of Mike is one of those two guys. Now, Josh can play Mike, Will, Viper. Josh can do a lot of things. Sure. It's he's what for Burnham, it's going to be he's going to play. You're like, well, where's Josh Burnham going to play? The position that gets him on the field the fastest. Well, and that like, may be, be that may be Will. If JD moves right. over to it Mike, maybe Mike, it, I mean, that's what we I don't mean, know. Yeah, right? exactly. I, I think the backup Will could potentially be a wide open spot. Yes, but I think I'm talking more, more down the line as a star. Oh, I see what you're saying. Because so the like, reality is Maris okay. still has multiple. I mean, Maris, you sure. know, redshirted in 2019. 2020 was the COVID year. Maris mm -hmm. was technically a redshirt freshman this year. So he still has three years of eligibility left. So he's not necessarily going anywhere. Right. So what I'm referring to, and the reason I'm talking about Josh as a Mike, is barring – now, if Maris gets hurt again – now it's it's Prince and, and Jalen and Josh Burnham are battling for the starting job at Will, in my opinion. Yeah, I wouldn't move JD back over. I'd keep him. I okay. again, we don't know that JD's going to move to Mike. We're this speculating. Is, this is on us, that. yeah, speculating, absolutely. right? Yeah, this is right. this is what we think that they should do. I I, I have a feel. I, I'd be, I wouldn't be shocked if JD starts at Will in the spring just to see give Maris time to get caught back up. But honestly, I just would make the move now and put JD at Mike and say, you know, Maris, we're going to get you. But then that that opens up more. If you move him now, right? you can't give Maris all those reps because he's still exactly. coming back from an injury, which means Prince Colley's going to get more reps, which right. means Burnham and Jalen Sneed are going to get more reps. And to me, that's why I would do it right now. But I think that if they move JD, it's going to take moderate level of you know normal improvement for him and Bo Bauer, just moderate improvement that you make from one year to the next, normal normal next year level improvement to make this a to me a definitely a, a more productive, more physical, better run defending Mike lineup than what it was last year. That's my opinion. 
And that's a positive because you need to be better, Mike. And, you know, Drew was good. Again, we're when we say better, we're talking about meaning beating the best of the best. Sure. Drew White was a good football player at Notre Dame. And I, this is – I'm saying this because, like, I'm hearing myself talk and I'm thinking, man, I'm I'm sounding real super negative about it, Drew. Yeah, it sounds like we're banging on and, Drew. And that, it's not because no. Drew's a good football player at Notre Dame. Right. But we're saying the standard is to win a championship. Sure. And, and I just don't think Drew was that guy. Drew was a good football player. He had almost almost about 200 tackles in his career. He had 80 in 2019, had over 50 each of the last two years. You know, I still remember him stepping in against Navy in 2018. Remember when Drew Tranquil got hurt? Drew White stepped in the right. mix, played really well that game. So I, I love Drew White. It's just, again, that standard for winning a championship. Drew, we saw from Drew against Oklahoma State, against Bama last year, against Clemson in the ACT title game. When he was playing against the best of the best, he just wasn't quite what you needed him to be. And that doesn't mean he wasn't a heck of a player and you don't love him and great no, leader and a, all that kind of stuff. It just means football. That's the standard at Notre Dame. Now it's yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. You you need you need to have a, a Manti, a you know, a Jalen, a, a an Awusu. You want those guys, you need those guys because that's what Bama's gonna have. That's what Georgia's gonna have, that's what Clemson's gonna have. That's well, no, not Ohio State. Their linebacker play was pretty bad last year. Um, they, they they need work. They need work. They don't have the guys coming back that Notre Dame has. That, right. That's why they needed that freshman class. Anyway, so I just feel like that's going to be an upgrade at, at Mike. If Maris is healthy, it's an upgrade at Will. There's the potential for the inside linebacker play to be much better this year than it was in 2021. And, and at the end of the day, right. Vince, they that's need it to be. What you need it to has be, to yeah. be. Exactly. Right. So let's shift the conversation uh, just a little bit. Uh, and let's talk about uh, Jack Kaiser. And, you know, obviously he was <laughs> kind of a th- in a thankless spot of having to fill in for the Buckus Award winner. I mean, and anybody that expected him to be that was obviously, they're not going to get what you want at that point. So, but I had very high expectations for Jack going into this season. Not Butkus award-winning expectations, mm-hmm. realistic high expectations. And I think at times I was let down uh, a little bit by his mm-hmm. play. I don't think he was as consistent as he needed to be at that spot. And I, I hate to say it this way, but to me, that position's wide open going into the spring and the fall. I, With I, who? I don't I, – I don't know. I think there's it's a lot of talent to be wide open. There have, I mean, who, who's there? I mean, that's my thing is who's going to yeah. play besides Jack I think Kaiser. Because I think Prince Colley has grown out of that position. Right. I think he's inside. Right. I mean, I don't think he, he's – And uh, we were hearing that last anymore. fall camp. Like, yeah, right. that guy's not going to be at Rover very long. Because I just think he's – his body type now is not – you got Jalen Sneed potentially could play there. Uh, you've got Jordan Patelho could maybe play there, which I think he'll be battling there. That's the interesting I'm interested thing. to see what they do with Jordan. I have no clue but, where he's going to play. Yeah. And, but after that, you got freshmen because Moala's not back. Pryor's not back. You know, with with, with Jack, it's kind of interesting. I mean, the guy had two flipping touchdowns this year, two he pick did. sixes. Yeah, you're right. And so there were some moments where he, he looked really good. It just, to me, I expected him to be more active. Yeah, right. Consistently active. He's just kind of there. And he wasn't great in coverage. Like I had hoped he would be this year, and I think at times his lack of length played an issue. And I think I think part of it was just an overall lack of experience. I mean, he hasn't played a ton of football, and you know when you're a second late reacting, it's not about being a second late in speed, but when you're a second late reacting, 
that's when a guy from you know Oklahoma State is going to beat you up the seam for a big play. And I think that's kind of where where Jack was this year is just you know be more aggressive, be more assertive, be more determinative, and and get where you need to get to because I mean look there, there's a reason they moved Jordan Patejo to Rover. There's a reason a lot of times this year we didn't see Jack Kaiser on the field. There's a reason they put Isaiah Pryor in the times because Jack wasn't able to do the whole thing, you know, and 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 that's where he needs to get to now this year if he wants to stay in the lineup because Jordan Patejo did some interesting things at Rover this year. And, you know, there's, there's an argument to be made that, you know, maybe play him at Rover and then when you want to take him off the field, you put in a, a nickel. Because if Xavier Watts plays at safety this year, you now have fine ways to get him, Ramon Henderson, Brandon Joseph, and the two veterans on the field together some way, somehow. Yeah, I, and, I think you can play some rover-ish type stuff. Well, I don't I mean, know if I'd put Xavier Watts there, but somebody from yeah. the safety position needs to play there. I'm just saying if Xavier stays, sure. the the overall depth of the position is such that you can do that. You know, maybe, maybe that's a role for DJ Brown. Get him closer to the line of scrimmage where he doesn't have to play as much in space. I mean – there's all types of things you could you could do there, but the point is he's got to play better if he wants to continue getting the reps. Because here's the thing for me, if Jack's not giving you more production and more consistency now that he'll be a senior, then as a coach, I'm like, well, look, then just let me play the young guy. Then just let me play Jalen. And I'll I'll if I'm gonna get beat, I'm gonna get beat because a young guy makes a mistake because I know I'm gonna also get some big time plays from him. So you go Batelho and Jalen Sneed or Batelho and Jalen Sneed and Nolan Ziegler. If Jack doesn't step up and play better, he's going to have to play better. Now, I expect him to play better, but I think it, he needs a jump, not just a normal year one to year two improvement. I think he needs a jump. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I think something that could help the whole position group is I'm going to go back to what we talked about at the beginning. I think the way that Notre Dame plays defense, the, the one thing about the 4-2-5 is I think it can be a challenge for one coach to coach all three of those guys because right. one guy is just out of the box, completely out of the box a lot of times. Right. <clears throat> and his eye discipline is different. His yep. What he's reading is different. His coverage responsibilities are different. You know, how tight in he is to the corners and those type of things is so different that you almost say, you know, maybe they do. Maybe if if Brian Mason is a guy to coach that position, does that make the rover position that much better? Because you have a you have a guy that's 
training just his eyes on that position on that right? one spot. Yeah. Then exactly. if you have another, you know, your D coordinator is your linebacker coach. His eyes are on the inside guy, and now Marcus Freeman can kind of step back and have his eyes on all of it. Because I promise you, when they get into the 2022 season, Marcus Freeman may want to be the head coach, but his eyes are naturally going to gravitate to that spot. Absolutely, absolutely. It just, it's the way it is. I mean, it's just your your eyes are trained to see certain things. No question. And so there's going to be a lot more eyes, and that's where I think if they decide to have Brian Mason be involved in the defense, and that I don't know if that's been decided or not yet. This this all the position move stuff and all the coaching stuff that we're talking about, like who working here is, is our opinion, (laughs) our opinion. I want to just make sure people understand we're not giving you insider secrets on this because I don't know, like that's the least of my conversations right now with coaches because I don't think they're, I mean, they're not going to discern all that until they get a coach in place. Right. Right now it's just winter conditioning and stuff like that. You don't have to make those decisions. Right. Exactly. We're exactly. just projecting what we think, you know, will will be the 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 best options for this team, and so I just want to make sure people understand that. So we don't know if JD Bertrand's going to move. We don't know if Brian Mason's going to coach. We're just kind of going over. At least that's an option now, and it's something that I would like to see from Notre Dame. And if they do that, then I think that's where you could really start to see a jump. Is because in 2020 with Clark Lee, Clark Lee was running the defense and coaching the inside backers, but he had Nick Lazinski helping on the inside backers. And Chris O'Leary was the Rovers coach in 2020, basically. I mean, Jeremiah Wusu credits, credits Chris O'Leary for a lot of his development because he just had that one guy, Mike Elko in his defense. If you remember, I think it was Tyler Santucci or something like that was the guy's name, but he had an analyst and a GA that just worked with the Rover position. So we've seen this, be effective before right it was just more behind the scenes than having an actual assistant coach be that guy well no i mean when it's a ga that guy's on the field i mean i I know chris o'leary is on the field i just meant an actual assistant coach i'm not saying he wasn't on the field Yeah, but i I think nowadays the way gas are now they're not like they were 20 years ago where they're not real coaches or they're just getting donuts and coffee for their real coaches you know gotcha you're hiring guys now that need to be able to coach i mean We've seen it from Harry Heastan for years. I mean, Harry would let his GAs coach a side of the field when they would do those half-field runs. So what that is, you have a center guard to tackle on one side, like the right, a center, right guard, right tackle on one side of the field. You have a center, left guard, and left tackle on the other, and they're half-field runs. So you're just running run plays to that side. As soon as that snap is over, you're going to this side. Then you got to restack, and you're, you know, and, I and love it's that just getting drill, reps in. When you got but the numbers, Harry's, I love it. Harry's working on one side, and he's got his GA on the other side. Now, he would kind of watch both, but he made sure that, that he had a GA in place that could help him, you know, see that and coach that. And so you're seeing analysts and GAs be giving more and more responsibility, which means they're purposely hire, trying to hire a higher quality of coach for that job. So that's why I think – you know, like when Nick Lazinski was on the field, we've seen him. I mean, Clark Lee would just let him take the linebackers. Right. You know, Mike Elko would let – I, I got to remember that guy's name. But he let that guy just take the Rovers and work with them. And Clark Lee would take the insides when Mike Elko was the defensive coordinator. So um, I, I think that there is a lot of merit, especially if your hire is not a natural – linebackers coach then i think that's where you could even see even see greater need if the defense you know for it but whoever the linebackers coach is going to be is going to be the d coordinator right and so i think there's value to having 
that there. Plus, if you're a rover, you're going to be a special teams guy. So I think there, there's that relationship there too where, you, look, the special teams coach is going to be utilizing every linebacker on the roster for special teams. It'd be nice to kind of him have that that further relationship Absolutely. by his work with the defense. So yep. anyway, that's just kind of my two cents. But I think that is something that could, whether it's Mason or, or a GA, I do know they're looking for a new GA on defense. I don't know if it's going to be a D-line guy, which it's been that do you get two per side of the ball. I would imagine with two position coaches in the secondary, you're going to have a, one of the two GAs be a linebacker guy, one of them be a D-line guy. And there, there were some questions yeah. earlier about Nick Lazinski. Is he still on the staff or did he go someplace else? No, he's still on the staff. He was out on the road recruiting last week. Okay. I just don't know what role he's going to be. Gotcha. Okay. And I don't know if he's going to be – you know, a GA, an analyst, on-field, off-field, I, I really don't have an answer to that. Right. And is there a, a limit on how many years you're allowed to be a GA? I think it's three. Okay. I think it's three. So I, I don't um, – I'm not quite sure where he is in that regards. But I don't I don't think he's going to be able to be an on-field guy as much this year. I think he's kind of spent up that in my – I'm just trying to remember correctly. I believe he has. So let's – there's one more guy that I want to talk about before we get to the freshmen, the incoming guys, and that's Prince Colley. And we talked about how he kind of started out at Rover and he kind of grew physically out of that position to a degree and is moving inside. And he, he practiced at will pretty much the majority of last season. And whenever he saw playing time, it was at will. Um, do you think he stays at will or do you think that there might be some movement in his future as well? I think for the most part, Maris Lofau would be an exception. Bo Bauer would be an exception in the opposite direction. You're recruiting linebackers that you feel can play inside, meaning Mike or Will. There are going to always be you – know, Junior Chiel Maka is an exception. Sure. There, guys like Jalen Sneed, guys like Josh Burnham, guys like Prince Colley, you're recruiting them because you think they can play all over. So with Prince Colley, it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be where can he get on the field the fastest. Well, if you look at the depth chart now, if Maris is a guy that's as good as you think he is, he may have that spot locked down for three years. You're just going to sit Prince Collie for three years. You know, so look, so to me, it's it's going to be a lot like Burnham. It's going to be where to, can he get on the field the fastest? So if Prince Collie's sitting there behind Maris Lufon, you're like, this kid's one of our three best linebackers. You're going to cross train him at Mike and Will, of course. Yeah, right. like Notre Dame did. If you remember in 2017 with Tavon Coney, yeah, you know, um, Miles Morgan and I believe Greer Martini were the starters. But Tavon would play both spots. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I, I think he's going to start at will. But I think the more comfortable Prince gets, the more you may start to see him cross-train. But the fact is they got to get that kid on the field, and I think they want to yeah. get him on the field. I've heard a lot of good things about what they – they athletically, they love him. Strength-wise, they love him. It was just – this is a kid that played running back. I mean, he as a, as a, scene, as a junior in high school, he was a 1,000-yard receiver. As a senior in high school, he was a thousand yard running back, almost a two thousand yard running back, and he just kind of played all over on defense. It was just like be an athlete, go make just a play, make plays. Yeah, a lot of it. Here's he had to learn a lot. Sure, and to high school. it was amazing, Vince, watching him the first time he got on the field last year, and you're like, that guy doesn't know what he's doing, right? He and then lost. you kind of fast forward to the end of November, and then you watched him later in the year against like Georgia Tech and Stanford, and you're like, he's figuring it out. 
Like he made a lot of improvement just from a looking comfortable on the field last year from the first time we saw him to the last time we saw him. I'm curious to see what kind of jump he's going to make this off season because we talked about Maris and JD and, and Bo and, and the veterans that we know, but Prince is the kind of kid that could say, yeah, he was your most talented guy last year. Cause I didn't know what I was doing. Now I'm the most talented guy. You know what I mean? And, and I, you know, that's where I think it will get real interesting is if Prince can have a breakout off season, he's the kind of kid that says, I don't know where we're going to play him, but we got to play him somewhere. Cause this t- kid's too good not to play. And that's what you hope Prince does is like, look, yeah, I'm, you know, Maris may be the starter, but we're going to have a 60 40 split snaps wise because I'm that good. Right. Or Maris is just so good. We can't take him off the field. So maybe you have a freshman back him up. But hey, JD and Bo, you guys got new, somebody new in this battle with you. It may be that. I mean, that's the thing about Prince is he's a pretty powerful kid for his size. Another year in the weight room because he was, I don't believe he was an early enrollee. Right. I, I don't believe he was. Right. Yeah. So this is his first full offseason in the weight room. Right. What kind of jump does he make? So I'm really curious to see kind of how he evolves, Vince, because he's another guy that I look at and say, you know, he's somebody that has that talent to that he could really shake some things up uh, this offseason, in my opinion. Agreed. Yeah, I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I, and you're right. When he first got out on the field, it was like, man, he's not really ready to be out there from a mental standpoint and from, a, you know, knowing – feeling comfortable standpoint, but his maturation process, I think, was sped up uh, in a mm-hmm. good way. Like, I, I think he sped it up on his own, and by the end of the season, he looked like he belonged. And mm-hmm. he's, I think he's poised to take that next step. It just depends on where that next step is going to be mm-hmm. and what it's going to look like. I think that's that's going to be key. And then who he's battling with, you mm-hmm. know. I, there are certain right. positions where that path is clear to the field. Right. You know what I mean? And so. this is another big wild card is, is the reason we have not talked about James Laronitis is because I have no idea, no idea what's together. They've talked football together. He's not bringing him on and he's not convincing James, a friend of his to, to, to leave the career he's at now. Yeah. To come back radio show and all kinds of other stuff. Yeah. Right. If he doesn't think he can be a coach, it's just, I don't know what role he's going to have in 2022. Right. Is he going to be more of a an analyst role where he's doing future scouting? Is he going to be more of a self-scouting guy? Is he going to be working with the linebackers? I have no idea. That What his role is is going to be very interesting. Does he take a strength conditioning role? I don't know. And so I have to think in some way that James Laronitis has been groomed to eventually be a full-time coach. I'm sure. I, I just, I don't, Hey man, you want to be an analyst for the rest of your life? Like, I think there's that, which then leads to, okay. But if there's, if the defensive coordinator is a guy that can coach multiple positions, maybe he works with linebackers now knowing that he's got film room help from a GA or an analyst plus James Laronitis, then he doesn't necessarily have to be a full-time guy. And then maybe, you know, Chris O'Leary moves on in a year or two because he gets other opportunities and, pay raises or decoordinate. I mean, who knows what his opportunities are. Sure. Then that guy, someone can move to safety. I mean, there's, there's so many different ways this can go, but uh, you know, he's going to, he's going to have a role too. You know, one of the things I would do is I would say, Hey, you're my freshman guy. You're in Jalen Sneed and Josh Burnham's ears, teaching them the game of football. 
because an analyst can be very involved with kids off the field. He can right. film room with them. He can do all those kind of things. He just can't coach on the field. Right. And that would be one of the things I'd say, look, man, you see this Burnham kid. He's like a longer, more athletic version of you. Mm. You know, you see this Jalen Sneed kid, like this kid's special, you know, junior to Alamaka, you know, your, your role. Number one is, is to teach those kids what you know, you know what I mean? And I think that could be an impact. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how all of this plays out. Very, very curious, curious to see how all that plays out. So speaking of freshmen, there is a pretty solid group of freshmen, and we've kind of touched on it here and there, but let, let's let's wrap this thing up with talking about the freshmen. You've got four guys coming in, the number one linebacking core in the 2022 class, and they're all in class right now at Notre Dame, which I think is also huge. Um, mm-hmm. and so all four of those guys coming in, they're going to make an impact, whether it's an impact just to the depth chart alone, pushing guys, or whether they see the field a little bit this year. I think mm-hmm. they're they're going to make an impact this year, I think, as a group. There's no way they're not going to do something. Right. They're going to be involved some way, somehow. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know if it's going to be starters, depth guys, special teams. Don't know any of that. Don't right. know any of that. What I know is... These kids were all told their entire recruitment, you better come in thinking you're going to play. They did not, because a lot of times with these, hey, you know, look, you got to come in, you got to work hard, you know, when your time comes. No, they each one, hey, don't come in here thinking you're going to redshirt. Don't come in here thinking, like, yeah. you need to come in here thinking you're going to battle. Because they want those guys pushing the veterans, number one. Number two, Absolutely. they know this kid's going to help us. I mean, if I'm Brian Mason, the first time oh. somebody comes into me and says, should we red shirt Josh Burnham? I'm slapping him in the face and kicking him out of the meeting room, right? <laughs> Unless it's Marcus Freeman, then I'm not doing that. Yeah, right. right? But like, I'm like, no, I'm not red shirt any of those guys, right? Those guys are all going to be starters for me on kickoff coverage and punt coverage and, right. you know, all that kind of stuff because those guys can flat out, flat out and run. If they're as good as we play. think they are, they're not going to be five year players anyway. No, Nolan Ziegler's the only guy that I would even remotely have a conversation right. about redshirting because he's physically behind the others. Sure. He's 205, you know, he, that kind of thing. Nolan and Nolan could be a five year guy. He's the only one, though. None of those other guys, if, they, right. if they're five year guys, it means they were hurt right. or they're not as good as you think they are. Sure. And by that point in time, you've over recruited them anyway. <laughs> True. And and so yeah, I'm, I'm giving them. A, they're going to play for, like if Junior Two Elmaka is not starting on the kick return team next year, I'm going to be shocked. Mm-hmm. You know that fullback position, you know where you have the fullbacks or tight ends. I mean, he'll be on there. If Josh Burnham and and Jalen Seed aren't starters on the kick coverage and punt coverage teams next year, I'm going to be shocked. Shocked. So they're going to play. Now the question is: is will they help you at linebacker? that's the bigger question because right. it's not going to be easy for them to just shove Prince Colley and Maris Lewifowl and Bo Bauer and J.D. Bertrand to the side. It's not going to be easy, but it's possible because of how good they are. And the other thing too is like, I'd get real, I'd have some fun with them and nickel. If Bo Bauer ends up being your starting Mike, I'm taking him off the nickel package and I'm putting Absolutely. Burnham or Jalen Sneed or something like that in there or Jordan Patejo. I would love to see Jordan, you know, Bo Bauer get replaced by Jordan Patejo in that. So that's that's gonna be an interesting thing is with Batelho emerging. Hopefully he has a smarter offseason than he did last year with the incoming freshmen, with Prince Collie emerging, with Maris Lufau coming back. This is gonna be a way longer, way deeper, and way more athletic linebacking core than it was a year ago. Yeah. 
Will the play get better? That's the question. Will the production get better? That's the question. But I can guarantee you the depth's going to be better, it's going to be longer, and it's going to be way more athletic than it yep. was. Because, again, you remove Maris from this conversation. Prince wasn't as athletic because mentally he was still a freshman learning everything, and you don't play as fast. He's got that year under his belt now. So that's kind of where I'm really excited about this group, Vince, is it's going to end up being a question mark on the defense. But, man, if the light goes on for enough of these kids, they've got a chance to be really, really good. And that's when you start to kind of get excited about what this group what this group can be. So sure. got a, we did have a super chat about the linebacking, linebacking position here, Vince, from Zach Martin. Thank you for the super chat, Zach. Can you do your ideal, and Vince, I'm going to let you go first since you've got to, you're going to have to leave here soon. Can you do your ideal perfect scenario too deep at the three linebacker positions for game one and game 12 with growth for growth for underclassmen? Wow. I'm just well, going to do one, Vince. Yeah, I'm just going to do one. Exactly. So uh, you said too deep, right? Okay. Deep. So yep. at Will, I'm going Marist and Prince. Mm -hmm. At Mike, I'm going Bo and JD. And at Rover, I'm going Kaiser and then uh, Sneed. So you're going, you're going Bo starting and JD coming off the bench. Yes, you filling Bo in. I JD's mean, been a better player than as Bo of so right far now. In as, as of right now, right. Let me, you're you telling know. me right now, Bo Bauer was a better player last year than JD Bertrand. No, but I just don't know about him moving inside. That's all. It's like the same position. I mean, okay. like the Mike and Will are. It's it's basically the same. You don't position. have to do much to convince me. I think those two are equal right now. Yeah, but I think JD's a better player than Bo Bauer smoke. right now. I okay. mean, there's a reason why. J.D. Bertrand played more than Bo Bauer last year. For sure. Oh, there's no question. Yeah. And Bo's a year older than J.D. So that's the other thing, too. Bo's okay. going to have to be a lot more disciplined if he's going to win a starting job. But it's, I know you love you some Bo Bauer. I know. I do. I know you do. do. But they're both going to play. Yeah, right, that, right. At the end of the day, that's the thing. That's the same as mine. I mean, it's it's you said Kaiser and Patelho at Rover, right? I said Jalen Sneed some, at yeah, Rover. You, right, Jalen Sneed. So you, you have Jordan Patelho not in the two deep or playing somewhere else. I didn't. I didn't. I don't know yeah, where to put him. I, I, the, I just don't be, know where to put him. That, yeah. That's that's As where I'm right at. now. He's I think going to end up because Foskey's coming back. I think you're going to see Batoho be more of a rover. Okay. I personally would like to see him. I would. I I'd put him a mic and let him battle for the starting mic job. That's just me. Okay. Like neither one of those J or JD or Bo or neither one of them are so good that I'm not putting another guy there. I think I think Jordan Patoho could be your most god-given physically gifted linebacker on the roster when you when you go pound for pound you know a guy with his size and the, i mean he is a defensive end with the athleticism to play rover yeah that's true what could he do at mike and he played inside linebacker in high school that's what i would do i would give i'd give him a shot to win that job now the problem is it's a very undisciplined player yeah and and i don't know if i want my mike being a guy that's kind of had been in and out of the doghouse from a decision-making standpoint for much of his career but my my 2d based on what we know right now is going to be the same as yours inside except i'm going to go jd1 bow two i'm going to go kaiser and batoho at rover uh that's where it's going to be as far as freshman growth i i just have got to see those guys play first in another yeah. uniform i sure. do think they will they will make an impact on the depth chart i just don't know if it's going to be beating out a a, a Batelho. Now, if Batelho moves to Viper or moves somewhere else, then I'm with you, Vince. I'm sliding Jalen Sneed in there. You know, that's where the game 12 part of that could come, Zach, in regards to, you know, Burnham being in the two deep now or Batel or, or, or sure. Sneed. But, you know, 
you know, Prince Collie was a top hundred player too coming out of high school. Yeah, you know right. what I mean. Oh, no, like, absolutely. Bo Bauer's a pretty highly ranked guy coming out of high school too. So I, I've just got to see those guys first before I, you know, spend too much time um, projecting him into the two deep. But they're going to play this year some way somehow. And there's no rule that says you can only play two at a time. You yeah, know, you, you can only play true. two. You can go three deep if if there's a you know, and that's where I think the nickel package could be where maybe those guys get some playing time. Like, hey, we're gonna go with these veterans in the base defense, but man, on third down, we gotta get Jalen Sneed in the game, or we gotta get Josh Burnham in the game. We gotta find a way to just let that guy go. And maybe that's that's where they find their niche. But they'll definitely be on special teams. And I'm looking forward to to seeing him. And, and like we had a question, do you see Jalen Sneed starting someday? I, I don't think it's gonna necessarily right, be this someday. year. Because he's a he's probably going to be at the position if he's a will like I like he says he's being recruited to play inside. If that's the case, it's it you know it, beating out Prince Collie and and Maris Lufau is not going to be an easy thing to do. But Jalen Steed's going to be on the field, and we we were asked by Laker Irish as well. Jalen Steed's going to play next year, barring injury, some way somehow. I just don't know how much or where or those kind of things. So. You know, that's sort of that unknown. We'll have to see, you know. Yep. Yeah. All right. I got to leave it to you. Uh, I you're going to take us out of here, Vince. We've, we're, oh, we're, okay. we're, wrapped, we're wrapped up. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, uh, thank everybody for joining us on this edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Make sure that you hit the like button. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, if you're listening on a podcast, give us that five-star review and hit that subscribe button. Also, the little bell. Uh, on the YouTube side. Make sure you hit that because you just mm -hmm. never know when we might have a show. Uh, so for Brian, I'm Vince, and we will talk to you next time on Irish Breakdown Podcast. Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com